Section two of Four American Indians by Edson L. Whitney and Francis M. Perry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of King Philip, Chapters three and four. Chapter three Massasoit and his two sons. In the early evening during his boyhood days, Philip delighted to sit near the campfire where the members of his tribe were wont to gather. There he eagerly listened to the stories of adventure told by his elders, and wished that he was old enough to enter into the sport that they so interestingly described. Although children were not expected to talk in the presence of their elders, Philip frequently showed his interest in their stories by asking many questions in regard to the places visited by the older Indians. In those days news traveled slowly from one little village to another, for there were neither telegraphs nor telephones, no, not even railroads. In fact, there were no roads, and even the paths through the woods were so little used that it was difficult to find one's way from one place to another. The Indians kept no animals of any kind, and always traveled from place to place on foot. One pleasant evening in June, in the year 1620, little Philip noticed that there was less general storytelling than usual, and that the Indians seemed greatly interested in a long story which one of their number was telling. He could not understand the story, but he frequently caught the words Squanto and English. These were new words to him. The next evening, as Philip and his brother were sitting by the fire, they asked their father what had caused the Indians to be so serious in their talk, and what the long story was about. Squanto has come home, his father replied. And who is Squanto? asked Philip. Then his father told him a story, which was too long to be repeated here, but in brief it was as follows. Several years before, long in fact before Philip was born, a ship had come from across the sea. It was larger than any other vessel the Indians had ever seen. The only boats that Philip knew anything about were quite small, and were called canoes. They were made either of birch bark fastened over a light wooden frame, or of logs that had been hollowed by burning and charring. But the boat from across the sea was many times larger than any of theirs, so Massasoit explained to the boys and had accommodations for a great many men. Instead of being pushed along by paddles, it was driven by the wind by means of large pieces of cloth stretched across long, strong sticks of wood. The Indians did not go down to the shore, but watched this boat from the highlands some distance inland. Finally the vessel stopped, and some of the men came ashore. The Indians looked at the strangers in astonishment. Their skin was of pale whitish color very different from that of the Indians, which was of a copper or reddish clay color. The white men, or the pale-faced men, as Massasoit called them, made signs of friendship to the Indians, and after a few minutes persuaded them to go down to the shore. There the two peoples traded with each other. The Indians gave furs and skins, and received in return beads and trinkets of various kinds. When the vessel sailed away, it carried off five Indians who had been lured on board and had not been allowed to return to shore. These Indians had not been heard from since, and that was fifteen years before. Little Philip's eyes increased in size, and instinctively he clenched his fists at the thought of the wrong that had been done his people by the pale-faces. 
His father went on with the story and told him how the Indians then vowed vengeance on the white man, for it was a custom of the Indians to punish any person who committed a wrong act toward one of their number. From time to time other vessels visited their shores, but no Indian could ever be induced to go on board any of them. Nine years later another outrage was committed. The pale-faces, while trading with the Indians, suddenly seized upon twenty-seven of the latter, took them to their vessel, and sailed away with them before they could be rescued. Is it any wonder that Philip felt that the whites were his natural enemies? After that time, Massasoit said the Indians had refused to have any dealings with the whites. Whenever a white man's vessel came in sight, the Indians prepared to shoot anyone that came ashore and now another white man's vessel had arrived on the coast, and several of its crew had landed in spite of all that could be done to prevent them. To the great surprise of Massasoit's men, there was an Indian with these pale faces, and that Indian proved to be Squando, one of the five who had been taken away fifteen years before. This is but a bare outline of what Massasoit told his sons. It seemed to the lads like a fairy tale, and for days they talked of nothing but this strange story. Chapter 4 Philip Hears of the English During the following summer, young Philip heard many an interesting story about the English. Squanto himself came to see Massasoit several times, and from him Philip heard the story of his adventures across the sea. Late in the fall, long before Philip had lost his interest in the stories of Squanto, another English vessel arrived on the coast of the Indian country. On the eleventh day of November, 1620, the vessel anchored near Cape Cod. Sixteen pale-faces came ashore. They did not act like the others who had preceded them. They made no effort to become acquainted with the Indians, but spent their time in looking around and in examining the country. They found four or five bushels of corn, which had been stored for the winter by an Indian, and carried it away to their vessel. This angered the Indians, and we can well imagine the thoughts that passed through the mind of the boy Philip when he heard that the English had stolen the corn that belonged to a poor Indian, one of his father's friends. The Indians talked the matter over by their campfire and little Philip listened to the story as eagerly as he had listened to the story of Squanto six months before. A week or so later, more news came to Mount Hope. The pale faces had visited the shore a second time, and on this occasion had stolen a bag of beans and some more corn. How Philip's anger increased as he heard his father talk the matter over with the other Indians. A few days afterwards, Philip heard still other news of the English. They had come ashore a third time. The Indians had watched them from a distance. Finally, when a good opportunity offered itself, thirty or forty Indians quietly surrounded the pale faces, and at a given signal every one of them yelled at the top of his voice and began to shoot arrows at the hated visitors. For a time it looked as if the pale faces would be driven into the water. But soon they fired their guns, and the Indians ran away, frightened at the noise. Philip was greatly interested in the description that was given of a gun. He had never so much as heard of one before, and he thought it very strange that anyone should be afraid of little pieces of lead. He could not see why it was not as easy to dodge bullets as it was to dodge arrows. 
A week or two later, still further news was brought to Massasoit's village. The Pale Faces had left Cape Cod, and had sailed across the bay to Patuxic, to which the English gave the name of Plymouth. There they had gone ashore and had built some log cabins, evidently with the intention of staying for some time. This was something that the Indians could not understand. Every day some of them went to the top of the hill which overlooked the little settlement to see what the English were doing. Then they returned to Mount Hope with something new to tell about the Pale Faces, and Philip eagerly listened to every story that was related. Several meetings of the Indians were held during the winter, at which Philip was always present, and finally one of their number, whose name was Samoset, was sent to Plymouth to ask the English why they had settled in this land which belonged, of right, to the red men. Samoset returned a few days later. He told his story to the Indians around the campfire, little Philip, as usual, paying great attention to what was said. Samoset said that the Pale Faces had been very kind to him, and had told him that they had come to this country to settle, that they wanted to live on the most friendly terms with the red men, and that they desired to pay not only for the corn and beans which they had taken, but also for the land on which they had built their village. At the close of this story, the Indians expressed themselves as satisfied with the Pale Faces, and Philip felt that perhaps the English were not so bad as he had thought them to be. Samoset was then sent to the settlers to tell them that Massasoit and some of his friends would like to meet them for a friendly talk about many things that might otherwise become a cause of disagreement between them. He brought back word that the English eagerly welcomed the opportunity to meet the Indians, and had offered to meet them on the following day. End of section 2